welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years experience of mental health, disability and human behaviour. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi and welcome to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quintrillo and today I'm thrilled to have with me a really different guest. So I haven't had a GP before. This is Dr. Bella Smith and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself too. Brilliant. Thank you, Tara. So lovely to be here. Um, right. What, who am I and what do I do? <laughs> I do lots of different things. So yeah, I'm Dr. Bella Smith. I'm on social media as the digital GP <laughs> and I am a, a GP partner in Suffolk. And so in my kind of role, I do all the normal stuff that a GP does, but I have a real interest, a real passion for women's health. Yes. So I have, you know, I do all the coils and the implants and the contraception and the menstrual cycle symptoms, and then also the menopause, which is an area that I find really rewarding. Um, I'm also a co-founder of The Well HQ, which is an education platform that I've set up with two awesome women called Baz and Emma. And it's all about getting women and girls to be more active at every life stage. So in a, in a nutshell, us women leave exercise and activity because of normal life stages and things like heavy periods and breast pain and pelvic floor issues and stuff that happens yes. to us yeah. that we can't talk about. And what we are trying to do is overcome those barriers and get everyone exercising because we know the long-term and short-term benefits. Absolutely. I had a guest earlier on, actually, um, who is a personal trainer and specializes in people during and after cancer treatment. And we were talking about exactly this, just the general baseline for women and exercise barriers, stigma, all of that. Um, So it's really lovely because this actually kind of follows on from that as well. And what I love is you say it's an educational platform. So a psychologist loves people to know why things are happening so we can then perhaps inform ourselves as to what changes we want to make. But also menopause. Yeah, it's um, is it all right to ask you things? So we have to kind of address the big elephant in the room. Suddenly menopause become this huge thing hasn't it? it's all over yes. social media seems like people are talking about it more what's your kind of take on that can I ask you that yeah absolutely it, it is this kind of big thing now and yet it is a normal life stage it is yes. something that has been around forever and it is in essence it is the opposite of puberty so it is a yes. normal life stage that every single woman will go through but you're right, it has been surrounded with shame and stigma and embarrassment and taboo. In fact, a lot of women's health is, is surrounded by shame and people don't talk about it. Um, and finally, I think our, uh, there's a whole kind of cohort of women who've just gone, this is, this is not okay. We are working as much as men. We are doing as much as men. We need more research. Only 6% of sports science research is done exclusively on women. We know there's a gender data gap, wow. there's a gender pay gap. Like, and, and menopause, there's a gender teaching gap. We know that a load of us doctors, we haven't been educated enough. We know that yes, yeah. there's been research 20 years ago that was damaging about HRT, hormone replacement therapy, that has now had this lasting legacy where women are have not been prescribed what they need. And, you know, so 
find yeah. in my opinion it's amazing I went on the radio five years ago and I wanted to talk about the menopause and first of all they were like look I don't think anyone really wants to hear about that wow that five yeah. years ago. and then they said to me well can you not say the word vagina and I'm like really I'm a doctor like seriously can you not say like the the anatomy and I find that just so fascinating so I think we're coming full circle I think with all these things it's a pendulum so we're swinging slightly the other way and I think it's becoming quite commercialized and I think the trouble is is that lots of people jump on the bandwagon and then can target vulnerable women but I think if we all keep very savvy about it and we and you listen to the right people and have the right advice and I think it's really good that's something I want to pick up on as well. So obviously, you know, it is quite a vulnerable time in your life. And actually, there may be people obviously in the kind of social media world and the media world that are talking about this for, I know, ulterior motives, let's be honest. So, you know, one of the things maybe would be good to kind of think about is, you know, how we can help people navigate where they get high quality regulated information from um, versus, you know, there are celebrities that are talking about it. And I think that's really fantastic. But also, how do we know? whether what we're listening to is okay and how do we make informed choices then about our bodies and our lifestyles so um it's it's called the Davina effect isn't it that yes yeah yeah I mean everyone has learned about the menopause from Davina which is amazing but that shouldn't happen I mean of course it's amazing and she's wonderful and we're I think what she's done with Kate Muir and I think it's fantastic and so many of my patients have come to see me or phoned me or been in touch because they've watched the documentary. So it has yeah. definitely reached out to a lot of women. But you're absolutely right. I think you need to make sure you're getting the right care for you. And the whole point with the menopause is that it is individualized. It is not yeah. a one size fits all. In fact, I would say the same for every aspect of women's health, you know, through, through from puberty to contraception to pregnancy, we know that we're all so different. We know that the way we start our periods, how regular they are, how they, how you feel from day to day, how easy it is to get pregnant, how much you enjoy breastfeeding. Like it's, you can't, it, we're all so different and it's the yeah, same. With the absolutely. And so you can't say, look, everyone needs HRT. Everyone should have this. Everyone ha- should have that. Cause it's wrong. It has to be very much an individualized approach. And from a health professional, thankfully, there are, first of all, there are, there's loads more training for us GPs and for, for us on the ground, on the shop floor, you know, dealing with these women day yes. in, day out. There's also more research, but there's also a whole sort of group of menopause specialists now that you can access via the British Menopause Society website. It has a right. link and it has a list of all the NHS and all the private um, clinics and specialists that you can see. Great. So most of the, what I would say is most of the menopause care now you should be able to access via your GP. There should be one or two GPs in your surgery that will know enough about basic menopause to help you. But there are going to be a few women that have complex cases, like if they have other risk factors or if they've had cancer or yes, yeah. you know, they have blood, his family history of blood clots. Or they may then need specialist menopause care and they should be able to access it from um, you know, recognized specialists via these clinics. So, you know, already, I'm just thinking I've learned so much that, you know, from an everyday perspective, looking at GP services, knowing the fact that actually just this topic's being talked about, that there may be trainings um, being revised or being looked at and knowing, but also just then that there's individual differences. Because I guess one of the things that I've picked up is that um, I've heard a lot of people using kind of quite what we'd call, you know, those global terms, I need to, I should be, and I've read this. And and actually, I've already picked up for myself, "Mm, actually, how do you know what you need? And where do we go to know what we need for our bodies? And I guess there's something there, isn't there as well about just checking in with yourself, you know, starting with what am I noticing? 
doing in my body and what yes. things might I notice. So for people that may be kind of new to the menopause or maybe people listening who are, you know, have been attracted because of the subject or people who want to learn more, is there a kind of a menopause in a nutshell? You know, what are maybe some of the things people might struggle with or be impacted by? That might be a whole other episode in itself. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I um, so that what you just touched on before the menopause bit was body literacy. This is something yes, that we're encouraging, yeah. and at the Well HQ, we are. It's all about education, and it's all educating yes. from the get go. So upstream, when we're kids, we need to be telling our kids about puberty and about starting their periods, and we need to be telling them at the same time about when their periods end, which is menopause. It's a natural life yes, journey, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it, it, it's all about education, and then. We're not very good, I think, are in this day and age to be very body literate. We're not very good at going, oh, my, you know, I'm in, I'm here in my cycle. I know where I am. And we've got to encourage that more. We've got to understand that we can recognize in ourselves how yes. we feel and, yeah. and what to do about it. And if you take a medication or if you do something and it makes you feel good, great. If you take it, it makes you feel bad. Then that's okay. We can change things, you know. So it's, yes. it's, it's and then you see if you know you're normal then you know when you when it's abnormal. And that's when I step in. And that's when you need to be referred for, you know, if you're worried about cancer. And I, I, I'm a, I'm an ambassador for the Eve Appeal, which is a gynae right. cancer charity. And we talk right. about this all the time about the five different gynae cancers and the fact that, you know, there are some that have nailed it, like cervical cancer has been nailed because we, we have a screening program and we have a vaccine. And so, it, you know, it's, it's a real success story. And then you've got ovarian cancer, which is a real shocker because it actually hasn't progressed in 30 years. And we still don't right. know how to, you know, we, we do yes. blood tests and scans, but it's still, it's really behind and the research isn't quite up, you know. And it, all the time I say to my patients, just know your normal, what's normal for you. And then if it changes, we can pick it up. So that, that was the first thing. Then the menopause, um, in a nutshell, there are three ways you're going to go through the menopause. One is naturally, one is surgically, and one is right. medically. So okay. it is basically, like I say, naturally, it's like the reverse of puberty. So basically, your your ovaries start to ovulate at puberty, then they get a good rhythm going through your fertile years. And then around your perimenopause, they start to splutter and and, and sort of become less... Good descriptor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they stop. And that's the menopause. And the perimenopause is often the kind of the hormonal roller coaster that precedes a natural menopause. Right. And that's why you get these kind of chaotic surges of hormones where they feel imbalanced and your periods become a bit irregular. That's a normal perimenopause. Right. And so if you think that's the natural menopause, and then you have a medical menopause where you're given tablets to shut down your ovaries say for example if you've had cancer we want right. to reduce your estrogen that will shut down your ovaries yes or you can have your ovaries surgically removed so there's many reasons why that might be the case perhaps something like endometriosis endometriosis if it's severe um, and then the nature of those two medical and surgical that dictates the age you're at and it also yes. dictates how abruptly your symptoms will come on so obviously if you have a surgical menopause it's immediate overnight severe and we know that and it may be that you're in your 20s or 30s you may not have much control over that also with a natural menopause the most common age to go through it is to start being a bit perimenopausal in your mid 40s onwards but obviously not everyone everyone's different so it might be early 50s whatever and then it's the most common age to have gone through it to have finished the menopause and to be post-menopausal it on average is 51 in the UK Right. And the, okay. and the definition of that is if you haven't had a period for a year over 50, or if you right. haven't had a period for two years between 45 and 50. Okay. So 
so you see what I mean like so but just very quickly before I move on that a natural menopause isn't just women in their 40s and 50s and actually one in a hundred women will go through it under 40 one in a thousand under 30 and one in 10,000 under 20 and that under 40 is classed as an early menopause or what we also call um, primary ovarian insufficiency so and I say this because I do lots of um, with the Well HQ, I do loads of talks in the corporate world. And I say, yes. you know, you've got a big business of, of women working for you. Um, you know, if you think that one in 10,000 under 20, there will be no doubt one or two or three women, young women who are perimenopausal or going through the menopause and they are alone. They are feeling vulnerable. They are on their own yes. because they're not surrounded yes. with that age group, you know, who are even expecting it. They may not even know what's going on. And so we have, this is why this whole kind of this whole campaign to bring menopause to the front is so important because it needs we need to help women of all ages um you know to pick it up and then get them and signpost them to the right direction and it's that isn't it so already i'm sure people that will listen to this will go that's what i need to start to look out for you know because you know if you were just to think you know what are the things that I don't know, walk up and down the street and you survey a few people, what do you think of as menopause? And you tend to think, oh, it's about hot flushes and um, not sleeping so well. But actually, what what's the kind of, I would call it more like the baseline symptoms. How do I know when I'm maybe beginning to be in it and, and in it? And I love that body literacy. That's going to be a takeaway from today. Um, and I was thinking the word autonomy came to mind for me as well, that actually you've got choices. This is something that happens to us. But within that, whether it's, as you say, a medical induced menopause, there will still be choices. You know, we might not be able to control when, but, you know, what might we have at our disposal? What level of autonomy do we have as to how there's, we navigate there's it? There's always choice. You're absolutely right. There's yes. always choice. And I think that is so key. But, yes. You know, I think I think the one thing in the menopause, women often feel they lose control and it's, yes. it can yeah. take yeah. control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering as a self, so I'm a woman in my mid-40s, that there is some fear attached to it and there's still stigma, as you say, even in talking about it, and the fear of the unknown. So as a psychologist, we know when we're faced with uncertainty, it produces anxiety. We go into a little bit of a threat mode, don't we? That's very yeah. normal. But what can help is going, actually, what is in my control? What do I need to do? And yeah. if you have that body literacy... As you say, so in psychology, we call that like a baseline. I work mostly in um, adult mental health. So I support hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years with recognizing their well-being, mental health well-being baseline. And actually, this is the same kind of thing, isn't it? So how do I know what I'm like when I'm not depressed or not anxious? And therefore, what are the signs that I might be coming on well again? And actually, I've never thought about that from a physical health perspective. Isn't that interesting? You know, where can I start to come from with my body now and, and I suppose it's never too late to do that literacy so if you're someone who's in their 40s now listen to this for example can you start to do body literacy now yes. can you and start you to check your in age. with yourself yes absolutely yeah. and you know you can you can get a mirror and you can have a look down below you can check your breasts like you don't have to suddenly just because you've never been good at examining yourself or yes. being whatever it's not too late to learn yeah. you know just do it just you know you this is what I always say you are the expert in you. Yes. I am the expert in aspects of women's health, but you are your expert. And together we come up with a solution. So you, if you know that something's not right, that's amazing. You need to tell me and then we can work together to make it better. That's a collaborative 
I'm all about collaborative, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes we can find, and I was going to bring that into today actually, that sometimes when you're seeing a medical professional, there can be that kind of power imbalance. Because naturally, I know if I go and see my GP, I'm a psychologist, so I'm okay with my patients, but I go to see a GP or another medical professional, and I automatically find myself hunching down the chair and just nodding and taking what I'm hearing. And I don't always find that I'm able to speak up or to question. So I guess there's something there about, you know, how can we support people to be okay with questioning and yeah. asking? And, yeah. and making that experience maybe more collaborative with professionals yeah. that are involved or other agencies that you might be working with. And, and I think that's absolutely right. I think the the old school way of practicing was very much doctor centered. It was very paternal. It was very much, you know, here's some tablets, off you go. I'll right. take yeah. them, I'll see yeah. you in a month, you know, kind of thing. Whereas now it has to be very much more patient centered. And, and this is a, this is a, these are, you know, this is what I think it is. Let's talk about this and then let's just come up with a plan together and, and then revisit it. Some patients don't like that. Some, especially the older generation, perhaps would be a bit more yes, like, well, you're the yeah. doctor, you tell me what to do. And yes, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes you have to choose the doctor that suits you. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, but I think is also, I think we're all, you know, knowing your body and then also coming in really well informed. I think it just helps, you know, it helps. And I, I'd ha- I hate to think of you feeling like, you know, that you couldn't <laughs> co- collaborate with your doctor. Cause I'm, I, and, and if you can't, then you're with the wrong person. And, you, you know, if you can't and you want to, then I would say definitely seek out someone that you feel you can. So that's really important as well then, isn't it? So, you know, if I'm thinking we're going right back to kind of grassroots here, there may be people listening that think, actually, do you know what? Maybe I need to talk about, maybe I'm recognizing some signs of menopause here that maybe just the first conversation is, is is it right fit with my medical professional? Do I want to have a more autonomous relationship or actually am I okay? So again, it's all about informed consent really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but then obviously, you know, what's your body literacy like? So I guess that's an extra layer, is it? What am I noticing? Maybe what am I concerned about? Because I guess one of the things about the menopause is how it might then impact on our day-to-day functioning from occupational to social to romantic yeah. relationships. And what is it that you may be wanting to get out of having yeah. a conversation is it just about managing symptoms is it about quality of life is it all right to ask what kind of things do you see when you're working with people how does menopause I know it's a huge question no, kind of impact people yeah. so, <laughs> big old meaty question yeah no I, I, and, and I'll talk about it on a kind of a couple of levels actually yes so for an individual um often and you'll find this perhaps quite interesting is that often the mental health symptoms present first right yes so often yeah. You know, if you think we have estrogen receptors in pretty much every cell of our body, we know we're very aware that they're in our breasts because our, our menstrual cycle will change and our breasts go up and down or become painful or whatever. We know that they're in our pelvic area, but they're in our skin, they're in our bowels, estrogen receptors are in our brain. I mean, they are everywhere. And so as your hormones fluctuate and move around, they present with different symptoms. And right. often it's the mental health first, and it seems like anxiety, ruminating thoughts, keeping you awake at night, um, yes, low yeah. mood, feeling very emotional. People often say to me, I just feel like I'm going to burst into tears, like I feel really out of control of my emotions. Or really? they say to me, yes. I just yeah. don't feel myself. Um, so often, there's, there, again, there's a lot of fear. Then come the, the physical symptoms. I always split. So they're kind of the the most common are the hot flushes and night sweats. And actually, yes, yeah. again, um, CBT has cognitive behavioral therapy. There's lots of evidence now that that really helps hot flushes. And the reason by that is exactly what you said, is that once you feel this hot flush coming on, you then get this 
anxiety and yeah. this worry that people what can see this? and yeah. yeah or that it's really public or whatever and yes. so actually if you yeah. can learn to breathe through it and you can expect it you can change and you feel more in control then actually the evidence is that that can really reduce the hot yes flashes, yes know? yeah so there's so there's there's and then there's physical symptoms like um uh brain fog poor sleep aching of muscles and joints vaginal dryness sexual health symptoms like low libido and but sometimes I'll, women will say to me, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize that actually yes. I had really itchy yeah. skin. And now that I'm on the HRT, the itchy skin is gone or the tinnitus yes. is gone or the mouth pain or the. And the other thing is gums. You know, people often find they get dental infections and things around the menopause. Really? Because it, again, it's to do with the estrogen receptors. Once we lose the estrogen, our tissue gets a lot drier. We lose the elasticity. We also lose the barrier function that protects against infection. Yes. So, you know, yeah. you can find that you get more urinary tract infections or gum infections, you know. So there's lots of of aspects. So that's the personal, um, you know, the, the mental health and the physical symptoms. But then the impact that it has on women and yeah. their loved ones and their ability to work is huge. Yeah. So... I think it's something like 20% of women will take time off work because of menopausal symptoms and 10% retire early Gosh. because of menopausal yes. symptoms. And this is often yeah. women in their prime, doing a job they love, that they are yeah. really good at, suddenly having to stop. And, they, they're, and they work, they're working out now, the sort of the cost that is to business is huge. You know, you know, how yeah. do we keep these top dogs in the jobs that they're so good at? You know, so And then comes the... The gender pay gap, the financial yeah. impact of these women yes. if they can't work, but they also find you know divorce rates go up. Women often find that they um, feel guilty because they snap at their husbands or, or their partners or their children. There's an impact on them in as like their self esteem, their self worth. Yeah, absolutely. Don't recognize themselves. They feel they don't want to be sociable. So and and. The, and the suicide rate in this in this group, you know, so not everyone is yes, symptoms, yeah. has symptoms, but of the people that have symptoms, 25% are mild, 50% are moderate, and 25% are severe. And of those 25, there are women that commit suicide because of menopausal symptoms. Gosh, so we I have have no idea. Them. Those stats are quite astounding, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Really are. So, you know, these, and, and again, these these symptoms are very much individualised. You know, yeah. it's not a one size fits all. Some women, I mean, as I say, the most common is hot flashes and night sweats, but yeah. it could be any, you know. Because again, coming back to that kind of, oh, that's what it is. And I'll just deal with that when it comes, you know, we're all, you know, human beings. Sometimes we do minimize things or it's very convenient to just ignore, ignore. I'll, I'll deal with that when it comes. But it, there was something you said there as well, you know, that kind of almost the absence of things helping you <laughs> make an informed decision about what's going on in your body. So when when I do work with patients with mental health issues, sometimes people know what they don't want in terms of support while they're trying to find what they do want. And I'm actually wondering whether that model might be quite useful for people in terms of dealing with the menopause, that actually you might not know it is until some symptoms suddenly come into play or things stop, change when you're you know, on treatment. And I think that's a really big takeaway from me yeah. in terms of we might yeah. not know what's going on. And actually, just as a psychologist, how many people may be presenting in clinic with these kind of sudden onset and how many of us think to ask or step outside that yeah. formulation? Well, I think um, at the beginning, when I said that only 6% of sports science is done. Yes, yeah. And the the research that is done 
um, is done on women often when they're most like men, when their hormones are, are at their lowest. Yes, and, right. you know, what we realize is that our menstrual cycle, um, is, which is this, which is like a heartbeat. It is like a, it is a sign of health, like a period, yes. is, yep. especially because we're talking at the well, we're talking to athletes. So, you know, we are talking to women who, if they lose their period, it's a sign that there's something wrong and we need, we need right. to think about their yes. bone density yeah. and their strength. So a period is a sign of health and it is a, as I say, it's like a heartbeat and it can affect us in so many different ways. And so we encourage women and girls to track their cycle so that they can look at other symptoms. And what we realize is that, you know, throughout the cycle, it is affecting us in so many different ways. And you may notice that your bowel changes or, you know, your you sleep better at a certain time of your month. And right. you know yep. what I mean? And it is one of those things that the the more you can understand how these symptoms affect you the more of an expert you will be and the more you'll know when things change or um you know if, or yeah and that how, kind of how we like can less crisis driven stuff and more preventative it sounds like yeah. um, and I think that's maybe that's what kind of celebrities or this kind of social media drive at the moment might be doing is just planting those seeds I guess even if you're scrolling even if it is a celebrity saying something it might just perhaps plant a seed I wanted to come back to something else you said actually so we're talking about kind of li- I love this idea of this baseline you know getting body literacy I love that phrase um looking at your autonomy And then there's this other thing, isn't there? This stigma that you might be noticing these things. How many people are turning to friends and peers and going, oh, I'm experiencing this. Are you or I need to talk about it or really not up for meeting tonight? Is that okay? Because, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, is there any advice or how do you see dealing with stigma around this? Is there anything we can do individually or wider as a society about that? I think the stigma comes with silence. The, yes. And I think yep. that the more we talk about it and the more we normalize the conversation and the more we say vagina on the radio. Yes, the more we'll say it now, we, lots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The more it's just, it's just a thing. It's nothing yes. to be like, yeah. we don't need to recoil at the, a word yeah. And, yeah. or a stage in someone's life, especially when it's a normal, inevitable life stage. Yes, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we just had this amazing campaign at the well called Call It What It Is, which is um, basically, so it's it's because so many people use euphemisms. Yes. So, you know, yeah, at, we point. use um, periods. So it's like, you know, there's like, a, I think there's thousands of euphemisms for the word period. And I don't know if you ever, if you watched um, Dina Asher Smith was um, in the summer during the European yes. Championships. Yes, yeah. And she was interviewed after her race, which I don't think she was able to compete. And yes, the interviewer yeah. said, or maybe she did compete. It was I don't know, but she said there's some issue. There's women's issues, and actually, we need more research. And she called it out, saying we need more research. We need more help. And yeah. the thing is, she is an elite athlete who is affected by women's issues, by periods, and and she is struggling. So how do we expect our girls and our yes, yeah. and our kids and our young women are you know young adults growing up how are they not going to cope with their periods yeah um and so the whole campaign call it what it is was basically to say euphemisms create a stigma they yes. are basically trying to kind of keep a, a divide keep a space between what's real and what we say so that we don't get embarrassed and it's like yeah. actually all that's doing is fueling it and what we need to do is just say it what it is call it what it is it is a part of your anatomy or it is a period or it is and what you were saying about 
you know, um, in, in every walk of life. So when you go and see your physio and you say, I have got knee pain, is it, where are you in your cycle? You know, is it related to your hormones? You have yes. a really bad yeah. day. You know, you have a day when you feel really anxious. When are you in, where is it in your cycle? Track your cycle and see where it is. You know, we know about period poos. I don't know if you know about period poos. No, you get enlighten us. <laughs> of hormones. We basically, if you imagine your menstrual cycle, you ovulate and then your estrogen levels gradually plummet. Yes. And then yeah. you, and at that point, you then get your period and you then often get a poo. That's when you, you often are very constipated before your period and then you get, right. you, yeah. you know, open your mouth. And it's all to do with the hormones and the prostaglandins and da, 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 da. And, and it basically means that your your cycle is not just about a period. It's also it, it affects everything so about much you. More. your yes. skin, how many, how hydrated you are, your body temperature, how often you pass urine, you know, how well you sleep. We know that in the beginning of our cycle, often we're more sociable. We often um, are, are stronger. There's evidence that you can actually lay down more muscle mass in the first part wow. of the cycle. And then in the second part of the cycle, where our progesterone is kind of at its peak, that's when we're more, we're calmer, we're often more um, shy, we often want to nest a bit more, or want to, you know, um, progesterone is a very calming hormone, it's often when it's the sort of the sleepy hormone, which is what, you know, and so... um, Which is another reason why often anxiety goes up in the menopause, because all those lovely hormones plummet, you know, so... um, it's just interesting, isn't it? It's just interesting to Absolutely. know. Absolutely. It's almost mind-blowing just, you yeah. know, how much this information has been there, but we're not seeing it, hearing it, or seeking it out even. Yeah, yeah. And there is this huge den- gender data gap. That yes. I don't know if you've read the book, the amazing book, Invisible Women by no, Caroline no. Criado Perez. Amazing. Read it. It's all about the fact that our whole world is designed on men. So basically, seatbelts, the crash test dummies have all been designed by men. So that means that we are more likely to die in a car crash than a man because the weight distribution of the car is wrong for our whole body distribution. It's like things like medication. I prescribe a sleeping tablet to a man and I look at my BNF and my um, British National Formulary, which is like my list of medication um, advice. I know you know, but just for your listeners. Um, (laughs) If if I, um, I... and you can go by weight and you can say, well, you know, but what it does not take into account is the fact that women metabolize drugs completely differently than men. Yes, and we, yeah. we store it in our fat cells more. We have more fat cells. And so it can like something like a sleeping tablet can stay in your blood for so much longer. And that can then have a, a lasting effect the next day, which then it can affect your ability to work or drive or whatever. And so it's not safe. But for some reason, no one's taking this into account. It's all about men are the default normal. Yes, and then the last yeah. one is the fact that like a heart attack, you know, we're educated that a, a person presents with a heart attack with chest pain and, it's, and it's, it's an aching pain and it goes to your neck and it makes you feel yeah. sick. But women, they don't present like that. They're more likely to present with indigestion symptoms, you know, but that's not what, you know. Not out there, not talked about. Not out yeah. there. And yeah. so, and this whole, so people are being taught that men are normal and women are slightly either different or abnormal or just unknown and actually that doesn't matter and actually what we you know what we need to do is go we need more research on women we need to know how women differ from men and we need two normals instead of one normal and one not normal yes absolutely stigma this is all part of it you know is is there anything we can do as obviously there's 
talking about it for your own, you know, in terms of your personal situation, that it might help to talk about this. A friend may say, have you thought about menopause? Or, you know, actually, I've gone to my GP and discussed this. But also, you know, by talking about it, could that have an influence on research? Could it have, you know, do we have power <laughs> to change I, that? You know what, I think that there is power in the masses. I think yeah. that I think that there will be, thank goodness, so much more research because of this Davina effect. Because yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think the the fact that it is, it has, and it shouldn't be the case, but it it has such an economic effect. And I think that many big companies are now sitting up and going, "Hang on a minute, I am losing money (laughs) because my female workforce, and we we rely." I mean. I think yeah. it, the, the female, the menopausal female workforce is the biggest growing demographic. I think I think it's yeah. one in three women are either perimenopausal or have been through the menopause that are working. One in three. Gosh, and, really? and if you think about, well, yeah. you know, because we're, we're all working till we're 70. Most yeah. women go yeah. through their menopause in their 40s. It's a long time to be post-menopausal. It really or, is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking about, you know, if we come back to kind of stigma and addressing this, you know, as you say, talking about it, another takeaway is talking about it. Let's try and lean in, as psychologists would say, to the uncomfy and start to use biological words, <laughs> different descriptors. Sometimes we use things, you know, for some people, it can be hard, you know, the psychologist in me goes, it can be hard to start having conversations. So you might not be able to lean into your friend and go, oh, how's your period these days? But you might be able to say, how's your friend or whatever it is but then perhaps what we can do and and again with mental health as well starting to have difficult conversations with trusted others means you might feel safer to then start using different words which means then hopefully that kind of butterfly effect but obviously there is something as well that you know there are I have male friends who don't want to talk about that that or or, you know you would kind of you know we're, we're joking a little bit we'll be oh I'll leave you guys to just talk about that is how we can perhaps cross some of those borders you know so that yeah. perhaps you know if you're in the workplace how do we help talk yeah. about that more with males and, and help them <laughs> to well, lean in a bit more it does go both ways because I think yeah. men as well have to be brave and talk, yeah. to talk yeah. about their health they know you know it's not like we're they're just better than us so if they're worse yes, if anything. good point yes um, yeah and then was it Brenny Brown says you you can't be um you can't be courageous and um comfortable at the same time so you you can either be one or the other you know and I think you you have to choose and I think I think we have a duty of care I think we have a responsibility to our women to our young girls to ourselves that we have to start having these conversations and don't get me wrong I get it there's also a safeguarding issue isn't it there's also I mean we do a lot of work in schools and you go to schools and you get these these sort of male coaches you go oh my god how am I going to start having a conversation with a girl about her periods or her sports bra and ah you know this yes. is so and and it's yeah. like no I get it I get it you can't just start because that that would be seen as a, an issue in itself yeah so yeah there has to be a language that we use there has to be signposting there has to be training yes. there has to be a sort yeah. of a an understanding I often something like a, a menopause policy in the workplace can be really good and some yeah. menopause mandatory menopause training so that people just are aware having people like um menopause champ who have yeah i like that you know who have expertise or at least an understanding in it like you would have a mental health first aider you can have a menopause first aider or somebody who who is available to talk to if you have what we you know if suddenly you have a super period which is a thing in the perimenopause where your period is late and then suddenly it appears and it's like really heavy and it's horrid you know having a court short kit in your loo yeah you know 
a basket absolutely just some, just some pads and some, a few tampons or whatever or even amazing even a pair of spare pair of trousers or yes, you know, some scrubs yeah. or something because it, all that's saying to you is that we see you we are here for you we are aware that you are going through a really or you could be going through a difficult time we don't want to ask any questions we're just going to be there for you as a generous gift so that you don't feel alone and sometimes that's all you want you just want I'm just thinking what could that mean to someone you know yeah yeah. And I did a bit of a social experiment because in my surgery, we have two male doctors and then literally the rest of us were all female. And we right. were doing this whole kind of court shortcut thing. And I was thinking, I don't think we have anything in my surgery. So I put um, a court shortcut in, my, in the patient loo and in the staff loo. And I put a little sign on it saying, here's a court shortcut, please help yourself if needed. And I thought, oh God, I'm going to be funding that five quid every month whatever never <laughs> ever had to refill it because people and it goes gosh from somewhere people I think yeah. people just go that's so lovely and um, that's really helped me so I'm going to quickly put something something back oh, nice yeah 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 that kind of people giving as well as taking as well and I think that's a part yeah. of the what makes I think that's so nice isn't it it's normalizing but you know what I also like as a psychologist as well that it's kind of a gentle approach as well so it's not you know right in, in your, your face, face this is what you no. need but and it's you know, like kindness a, yes quiet yeah. gentle kindness yes, yeah kindness so it's a bit Absolutely. like in the workplace another thing that you can do is if someone has brain fog okay and this is one of the things again that triggers anxiety so people may be thinking yeah, of course I've lost yeah. my train of thought ah <laughs> panic you know and actually rather if everyone's aware you know, that menopause is a thing and that brain fog is a thing and losing your train of thought is a thing. You don't have to highlight it. You can just gently guide that person back to the subject that they were on and help them in a really kind, gentle, quiet way. Or you can say, right, we're just going to have a five-minute break and just regather our thoughts. Like, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, it can be a really sensitive, lovely environment that everyone goes oh that's nice that's gentle absolutely which is no different to someone having a panic disorder anxiety disorder and as we say you know when we look at that panic cycle as a psychologist we support people to go often it's not the initial symptom the forgetting or whatever it's the appraisal of it this is going to be bad the catastrophizing and then sometimes that leads to some unhelpful safety behaviors doesn't it so if everyone's kind of minimizing and ignoring and it makes it more of a thing I absolutely love that again it's quite gentle but it's quite bold at the same time (laughs) which I I really like yes so kind of you know I I don't want to overuse the word, but normalizing, it is a quite a good descriptor, isn't it? Yeah, Having those yeah. conversations. Just did a, an extra Google search on you because you do so <laughs> much, so much. What would you like to tell us about? Because with the Well HQ, I just think that's a fantastic, especially my big takeaway from today, body literacy. Take that away, yeah. everybody. You know, educating, empowering. But I'd love the fact that when you know there's a platform, you know this is okay to talk about, think about. And it's not just about menopause, is it? It's, it's all across ages or yeah it's, different types it, of physical we, health when we were setting it up we were like we cannot limit it to one yes. area it has yeah. to be yeah. the lifespan and it has to be every woman and it has to be yeah. and it's not just I mean obviously we we speak to elite athletes but we also yes. speak to, yeah. to grassroots athletes or in fact in fact any woman who wants to move her body yeah you know yeah. in any way shape or form it doesn't have to be even a sport that's recognized I think the whole understanding now is that movement is key and movement will help physically mentally emotionally but it also long term helps keep your bones strong and all this everything and yet it's the it's the one thing that goes out the window when we're stressed when we're busy and we haven't got time or when we you know it does yeah 
again sometimes we can overthink it can't we so I guess having a platform to go even those kind of conversations just having the conversation to go do you know what for most of us this happens it's the you know in yeah. a rainy where are we now November dark rainy yeah. November evening most people kind of go oh I can't be bothered or and but also yeah. just redefining what movement is I love that that you just use the, the script to move your body and um, but yeah. you also do the digital GP how does that work tell me a little bit about that as well <laughs> well the digital GP was kind of how I started out so I right. it was about maybe six years ago I I was I I speak a lot and I speak a lot to my patients and I yes. would say often the same thing again and again and again and you know so like for example I put marina coils in women you know as a form of contraception and also for HRT and I find that I would say the same thing yes yeah I thought I wonder how helpful it would be if I recorded myself just saying that you know so I did I did a few videos and then I and then I mean it's not massive it's just a few followers but what it did was it it gave it, it gave me the confidence to talk. Yes. Um, yeah, it put me out there. It introduced me yeah. to other people. So that was how I got involved with the Eva Peel because they saw my videos and they're like, "Please come and join um, the Eva Peel." And it, that's how I met Baz and Emma at the well. You know, for right. together we made Gosh, the well. Yeah. So without it, I wouldn't be where I am now. But what I, it does is, I mean, it's literally just it's you know my social media handle and it's kind of the old thing that I do. Um, but the well is. The well is exciting. We've got a book yeah. coming out in May. Oh, fantastic. And we do this. So we do this thing called Train Like a Woman webinar, which is every kind of three months where we go through the sort of what we believe to be the, the top 12 tips of women's health and how to o- overcome right. it. And the book is all about that with all the research. It's really important that it's evidence-based and it's yes. properly kind of scientific and that there's so with you on that. <laughs> behind yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that and that's really exciting. And so and our kind of we're so busy with doing the schools, which is the sport in her shoes conference. We've actually got one next Friday here where I live, which is amazing. And then we do, as I say, loads of corporate stuff. And then we do it, we're doing lots of stuff with like England netball and in the sporting world and it's just really exciting amazing it's just taking off it's just taking off and then the, the thing for me is that I'm obviously still a GP and I would I, I, I was gonna say where do you fit all of that in <laughs> <laughs> I know it's busy but then it do you know what it does it really energizes me and it, it yeah. kind of gives me um I think it, I learn so much from it that it makes yeah. me a better doctor if that yeah. makes sense yeah so I do it I do the well one day a week um so I, I'm a GP for all the rest of the time and I'm actually a GP partner and then Baz and Emma, they're full time, you know, so I wow. kind of have this lovely just balance. Works. Yes, it just works. Yeah. You know? I love hearing stories of how people connect, 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 all about connections. And sometimes yeah. you've got to, you were talking before, you know, that when Benny Brown has said, you know, about being sometimes courageous, you've got to step outside your comfort zone and sometimes leaning into something. We can get put off by overwhelm or not going to fit it all in. I'm really, it makes me really honored actually that you've got time to come on my podcast. So people you. are going to want to hear more. <laughs> Yeah. Where can they find you? I'll obviously put this in our show notes as well. Where yeah. can they find you? Well, so come and find us at thewellhq.com. Right. Um, we, and if you want to support the Call It What It Is campaign, you can, uh, it's uh, thewellhq.com forward slash period. And you can literally just pledge your name to say you support it. Um, Brilliant. We have on our website, we've got so much information about menopause, periods, you name it we're, we're our website is huge it's a real wealth of knowledge now and um Brilliant. and it's getting bigger and then the book is coming out in may so we've literally just agreed the front cover of that so look out for us and then 
find us so please exciting. find us on um social media so obviously we're on instagram facebook twitter all the usual linkedin um and then you'll start seeing kind of the the what's happening with the, all all the different campaigns that we're doing so so we'll have to re-put this episode re-market it again when your book comes out and i can add that in the the show That'd notes as well then as well i have so i'm sure my friends my close friends won't mind me saying but i know two of them particularly who are going to be listening to this episode and just going thank you thank you thank you oh. <laughs> and i'm going to make more of an effort not to use slang and to talk (laughs) well you know next time one thing normally when I do menopause talks which I do a lot um, it's normally the HRT that people want to know about so tell me everything so maybe another time we'll do do another episode that fantastic (laughs) give me give me a nudge I do always want kind of ask everyone my little signature moves I'm showing my age with that um, phrase aren't I what would be your one adversity takeaway is there one little nugget of advice that you could give us about managing the menopause or thinking about the menopause yeah I always say this, um, obviously, there's so many aspects, it has to yes, be so holistic. Yeah. So it's not just one thing fits all. But the one thing I think that we all neglect is we, we should all be lifting weights, we should all be doing yes. exercise that keeps us strong. And yes. I think we don't, as women, we don't, we don't do that. So we yeah, need to be whether yeah. it's body weight, doing things on one leg, squatting, whether it's press ups, whether it's doing actually weight lifting. Yes. We are losing our muscle mass and our bone mass from the age of 35 onwards rapidly. Really? So anything you can do to keep your bones strong. And if you can keep strong, you won't fall over. And then if you fall over and your bones are strong, you're less likely to break anything. As women, we are so much more at risk of of thinning of the bones and things. So that would be the one thing, because I think we often don't think about it. We we go, oh, I walk the dog every day and I go and I do my Pilates. Great. But do you do any body weight or any weight lifting? Because if you don't, that would be really important. And the so only other thing the I would dog. say is <laughs> carry the dog, carry the dog, carry the dog above your head, carrying yeah. my Labrador and my Border Collie on each That's shoulder. Really funny. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is is don't neglect your pelvic floor. That's yes. the other thing. I mean, I I we, we go into schools now and we tell kids, girls about it. Just look after your pelvic floor because you will remember this for the rest of your life, and you will thank me one day when you're in your eighties that you didn't neglect your pelvic floor so for the 48 <laughs> minutes of this podcast do your pelvic floor exercises if you remember we should yeah. i have to edit this bit at the beginning a little so the a beginning, preamble the of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can do 48 minutes every episode <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on i am so thrilled that and honored that you had time with everything else that you do um it's it's just been brilliant and hopefully again you'll you'll come back on we need to talk about hrt um, thank you so much for having lovely. me I've thanks so it. much Brilliant. for coming on I'm going away with my literacy my autonomy my pelvic floor and carrying the dogs <laughs> thank the you dog. so much oh thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the adversity psychologist podcast it's so lovely to have you here I'm Dr Tara Quintrillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk you'll see everything I'm up to free resources my media work and my new COVID recovery clinic as well. Remember to please rate and review my podcast. It really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us. The Adversity Psychologist Podcast, helping you one step at a time.